0: Um, yeah, so I guess we'll just be talking, we'll talk briefly about the book, uh, what the book is, or, or the processes behind uh, the making of the book. Some writers can give you two heartbeats, and you're welcome to ask any questions or to, yeah, just engage us in a conversation uh, about books, or, uh, yeah, so... Um,
1: you, can, you can have the
0: um, so basically some writers can give you two heartbeats it is a re, is a, an imagined conversation uh, that happens with multiple zimbabwean writers so we took excerpts from interviews that zimbabwean writers have given over time and then made them speak to each other um, and uh, the book is uh, sort of structured according to pretty much themes so these are themes uh, related themes like childhood, like education, like uh, politics, identity. Um, and, but then there was also kind of this relationship or this conversation between literature and graphic design. So our pract- individual practices, uh, I'm a writer. Nontsikelelo is a graphic designer. So there was a way in which we wanted our languages to speak to each other. Um, or to be in conversation. And so that kind of manifests in how the book looks. Um, I think
1: also as we are working, um, Tinashe, the foundation of the project was two notebooks that Tinashe has been keeping since 2005, just really uh, scraping content from interviews that, um, this is uh, some feedback here, Um, where Zimbabwean writers have been speaking about themselves, their identity, their practice, Um, And in the margins of this uh, notebook where he was writing everything by hand, there were small annotations which um, led me to realize that he was connecting dots between what people were saying. He was was noting down when someone was speaking about um, process, when someone was speaking about identity, when someone was speaking about place. And I automatically saw the correlation between what he was doing and a project that we did, which was a precursor to this, called ReadingZimbabwe.com, which works to document the published history of Zimbabwe um, it documents the writings of Zimbabweans and also who is writing about Zim and organizes it by theme. And so looking at the, the annotations in the, in the margins, I started to uh, work with Tinashe to collect things under particular themes and then you have uh, these voices all speaking to each other. And what was also very important to me is that the book was visual, there's a way that um, when we are presenting work that is about Zimbabwe, people often think that it's uh, small, you know, who are international, who are moving between space, um, just like many of our colleagues in New York, um, and also just like people that are uh, representing what we are living through now. And so we also use the book to reflect our own experience and life. Um, and so the images in the book are functioning as texts, and the book is very very uh, dynamic in its uh, in its design because we want people to be seduced into picking it up. we want to pull people pull the content towards people or people to pull themselves towards the content and also find themselves in the space and also to look at, look back at those images and see where those images might reflect a space a place, a time that they can relate to so family photographs uh, moments in time where you don't necessarily imagine uh, cultural producers uh, like uh, this photograph where you have a gentleman like dancing with a young girl and how we can relate to artists as everyday people and think about all the stages of their life and think about them in community as people like us? Uh,
0: So this image is of Wilson Katio, one of the sort of pioneering black uh, novelists from Zimbabwe. Uh, He died in... I was also kind of just uh, sort of remembering, uh, memorializing um, some of these writers. Um, The... Yeah, I think... So the, the book is kind of set up as a, almost like a play. Um, so there was, it's also kind of a rearranging of the archive. So the archive um, is, the Zimbabwean Literary Archive is uh, developed, uh, controlled, and stored uh, in foreign institutions. Uh, so for example, the biggest archive of Shona and Abele literature in the US is at Yale University. Um, so they have all the like early Shona novels, all the early Ndebele novels, uh, and you can't easily find that archive in Zimbabwe. So part of what we were trying to do here was kind of rearranging the archive and also taking ownership. So one of the biggest decisions uh, in the book was a refusal to cite scholars. So no scholar is cited in the book, um, and that was a deliberate uh, decision. Um, but the book cites uh, writers, so more than 100 uh, Zimbabwean writers, scholars, intellectuals, artists, um, uh, pretty much uh, occupy the pages of our book. Um, so that that I think it was, So the book is in conversation with uh, knowledge production around Zimbabwe, uh, with uh, African literature in general, how it is being produced, marketed, and consumed.
1: We also wanted to make a new book that uh, looked contemporary, that looked like us, that looked like the things that we see around us, uh, that reflected the high standard of work that we hold ourselves to, that our colleagues um, around the world are making. There's often a way that as Zimbabweans right now, because of the economic crisis, because of the politics, our identities have been flattened and our imaginations have also been flattened. And so this book is not only for scholars and artists, but it's also for our community and family members. It's been wonderful to hear um, about Tinashe's uh, parents looking at the publication in its dummy form. We've made like several prints as we've been working on the uh, design and what they feel about it and how surprised they are that we've actually made this thing. And my siblings looking at it and being so surprised at how um, how many voices are reflected in there, seeing images of themselves in there reproduced in that way, um, seeing themselves as writing part of the biography of our national history and of creative history. And And being Zimbabwean, I feel that there's a way um, things are happening at the moment where there's a power dynamic that divorces uh, the everyday citizen from being part of that level of authorship, that the authors, the people that are recognized are the leadership. And so this book uh, does some work in sort of democratizing who can tell the story of Zimbabwe, who can represent Zimbabwe, and who can be seen as an artist or or think about creativity in, in Zimbabwe.
0: Um, yeah, so the forum uh, platform was framed around Yvonne Vera's legacy, Yvonne Vera's contributions to literature and visual arts. And so the title of our book also was inspired by Yvonne Vera. So it's, uh, uh, some writers can give you two heartbeats bits, was something that Yvonne Vera th- said uh, in, um, when she was describing her own books. I will try to find where she, where, where she says that. Um, you can.
1: Um, also thinking about uh, that quote, um, I'll just finish it off whilst you sure. Beauty of the word for the part. And the quote is, some writers can give you two heartbeats, one for the beauty of the words, the other for the event. And as we were working on the publication, I thought what event is she speaking about? Is she talking about the event that she is writing about and so how to make the events in her work seem beautiful? She writes about really hard situations that women find themselves in. In the book I read, um, she's talking about a young woman that is raped by an army officer during the Liberation War, moves to the city to divorce herself from that memory and just really trying to rescript a new life for herself and moves in with another man in the city and then realizes that she's pregnant by the man that raped her and feels that like this is sort of divorcing her from the new life that she wants and so she um, gives birth to the child and then kills the child. Uh, but the book is written so beautifully, it's so lyrical, and um, so I thought for a moment maybe that's the event that she is talking about but there could be other events like the event of writing. What, what is the event of writing? What is the event of reading? And so this is also uh, something that helped us to shape what the publication is. There's moments in the book where you have these pull quotes that hold you for a second and allow you a moment of pause. There's a way that you can move through the book in a nonlinear way and glean something. Um, but there's also something about acknowledging uh, what the audience is seeing as they're reading and giving them something for their eyes. Um, and so really sort of acknowledging uh, many ways that that uh, phrase can be um, interpreted.
0: Um, so yeah, Yvonne Vera's words. She says, I want to be a writer who can give you the illusion that you have two hearts. My tales are tragic rather than sad, meaning they have a catastrophic force. Some writers can give you two heartbeats, one for the beauty of the words, another for the event. I want to be a writer who can give you the illusion that you have two hearts. Um, So that's kind of where the the title of of this book came from. Um, And the tales that she's talking about, before she died, she wrote six novels. Um, They were all about female uh, figures, female characters, uh, female struggles, uh, female victories um, and all her fiction spans 100 years. So, the first, uh, the oldest character that she writes about is Nehanda, um, as the spirit guardian of Zimbabwe, uh, a heroine who sort of initiated the first uh, revolution uh, in Zimbabwe in 1896. So, she wrote a novel called Nehanda, um, and so that's kind of the oldest character she develops. And then throughout the history of Zimbabwe, she kind of just focuses on moments uh, that she builds crafts like these fictions um, to highlight what is going on in the country um, or, and what is going on um, uh, to women and around women's issues.
1: I think something that uh, really does um, frame the way we worked on the book is the way we have emphasized the voice of women um, there's a section on women writers. We, um, the first quote in the book is the slogan for Zimbabwe women writers and thinking about that. Um, but also the flip side, thinking about how our national narrative has been flattened and the voices of our leadership have been uh, heard most um, above uh, other voices. We also wanted to think about where those people have been writing. Uh, they've often been written about in newspapers, but some of them have been really engaged in writing poetry, uh, writing, academic texts, writing um, important uh, books that frame African nationalism, and this shows up in the work itself. Kenan Banana, who was the first president, well, the first prime minister of Zimbabwe, was a poet. And uh, some of this uh, relationship that they have to literature gets lost in uh, all of the fanfare around the politics.
0: Um... So the book, the book was also kind of responding to events as they were unfolding. Um, so the last chapter that I included in the book um, was kind of a, a reading list. Uh, so it's called Robert Mugabe, a post coup reading list. Um, so there's a story in Zimbabwe that Robert Mugabe acquired uh, more than seven degrees uh, during the labor chain struggle. Uh, but we don't know what these degrees are. Uh, we don't know the subjects he never talks about books that inspired him or books that he reads or books that he read. Um, So when the events uh, of November 2017 happened, uh, when the military uh, deposed Mugabe from power after 37 years, um, he suddenly opened up his house. So the blue roof, as we call it, uh, because it um, was suddenly open. So he was now desperate to sort of tell his story. And one of my friends went to his house and uh, started taking pictures of his bookshelves, um, and sort of shared it on Twitter. And I saw the image, I saw the images, and I, then I decided to make a list out of the images. And the books that are that we focus on in the in the book are books that were published between 2000 and 2008, which was also very which was very striking, because if you know a bit about the history of Zimbabwe in the last maybe 15, 20 years we had hyperinflation uh, records in the world. And all his books were kind of centered around that moment when things were really tough in Zimbabwe. And so in the book, we call the books... Well, the books show Mukabe's obsessions. So one of his... um, One of the people that he wanted to talk so much about uh, was Tony Blair, the former Prime Minister of Britain. So he was reading books about Tony Blair. He was reading books about American economics... Um, all, the, all the countries and people that were very critical of his leadership, he kind of almost had uh, biographies, autobiographies, and I, then I understood how much um, propaganda functioned for him. Uh, it was a, a well-researched propaganda. He, he went and looked for the weak points in all these characters and kind of used that um, against them uh, in, in the public media in Zimbabwe. So, yeah, so the book, there was a way in which the book was also, like, yeah, responding to contemporary events, uh, political, cultural, and, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess Nancy will probably speak more about the decision, um, so one of the decisions of this current edition of the book is that it, it doesn't have a cover, um, so even though you're outside the book, you're still inside the book, because uh, the... the, the, the this cover is uh, the table of contents. The back cover is the last page of the book, so the book is still continuing, even though, even though I'm closing it. Um, so there was also, uh, yeah, decisions to think about: at what moment does this experience stop, um, and how much can it go on? Um, so, so in a sense, it's also a very conceptual book, um, and I think yeah, Nancy can talk a little bit about how the how the cover functions um we we have intentions of changing the cover with other editions but as it is um, she can talk a little bit about that
1: yeah i i thought that it was really important to foreground what was inside the book that when people Come to the publication, they can get a sense of the range of topics that we are dealing with. If Tinasha and I speak about the book, and we say, "Oh, it's about Zimbabwean writers," there's a way that that's framed within people's minds, and you don't necessarily think about Zimbabwean writers, uh, you know, in relationship to ideas around childhood, education, their role models, their family. Um, the section of on identity is looking at language, autobiography, and politics in the same. Um, you know, all under the same heading. Uh, When we talk about space, uh, there's exile and writing colonies uh, underneath there. Uh, When you talk about form, we talk about poetry, novel, biography, theater, songwriting, compilation, performance, and television. Um, And I thought it was just really wonderful to see how the, Um, sections were organized and how broad the themes were. That's also what you and work in archives and continue to do other projects by going into archives and discovering uh, what is in there that relates to the characters that we are focusing on in terms of people that have been writing or who's around them or who's been looking at them. And so for me, it's like a finding aid. It allows someone to orient themselves and feel like, oh, well, I'm very interested to find out why there's a section on sex in here. You know, like, what's that about? Uh, and a way for, for the publication to open itself up to a larger audience uh, before it's sort of closed down because another cover, you know, which has some writers can give you two heartbeats and that emphasise there's only Zimbabwe might alienate audiences and our goal is to uh, start to create conversations between people in different communities because that is how our work has been inspired.
0: Um, I guess also to add on that, um, we... And I have spent so much time like sort of tracing archives. Um, and it's been rem- uh, so remarkable to find that uh, archives are hidden. Um, so there's a way in which even institutions that hold these archives on Zimbabwe, on Africa, um, insist on hiding them in basements. So it, it is very difficult even when you arrive to, to access them because there's so much protocol. You have to sign, so there's so much bureaucracy around that and so the, the, the cover also functions as a way of exposing, um, or intimating on some of the subjects these archives are hiding. Um, so for us, the book was also just a prompt for our generation, for our peers um, from Zimbabwe and elsewhere, or from the African diaspora, to sort of um, pursue the same, uh, to, to pursue their paths. So we're just showing them where the material is found, um, and. I think for me, that was uh, one of the most important aspects of this project was it was just to give um, an intimation of what the archive is hiding from us. Um, some of the writers in this book are people that we know personally or people we interact with every day. And whenever whenever I'm in Zimbabwe, like, I, I showed uh, the dummy of this book to some of the writers, older writers, and they were surprised with uh, with their own voices. Uh, they, were, they were telling me that, oh, I remember a young student who came to interview me from America or from Europe uh, in 1998 for two days, and I never saw them again, and I never saw the, the final uh, interview published. Um, and that was fascinating for me, uh, the fact that uh, sort of this idea, their ideas are then published and stored in JSTOR Uh, or any of those sort of expensive votes that we we have to pay money to access. Um, So it was in a way kind of giving them back ownership of their own voices. Some of the things uh, were transcribed from oral interviews, and they disagree with that. Uh, I had one conversation with one writer in this book, and he said, oh, I didn't realize that's how I was portrayed. Um, but yeah, it was kind of just an interesting way to problematize um, uh, the archive and also just expose the material that is hidden. Yeah.
1: I want to read something else from uh, Yvonne Vera, and maybe I should find it in here so I don't have to squint. Page.
0: Um, yeah, well, Nancy is looking for the part. Uh, OK, you can read that's fine you can go ahead um so i think for me as a as a literary scholar i think i was preoccupied with two questions um how do we make a book an inanimate object sensory visual interactive how do we activate text Um, so for me like these two questions i think um, explain a lot of my thinking uh, or at least extends how i have been working i I have been working as a literary uh, critic scholar for so many years, uh, but this is a book that extends and even sort of disturbs uh, the conservative traditional values around books that I've always held. Um, and, um, yeah, and, uh, and it's been exciting for me to, to stretch my imagination um, to produce this book.
1: I think just following up on what Tinashe is saying about finding himself in the project, you know, we've really brought in so many kinds of uh images and texts together and I was talking about scripting, biography, the bag how those can be important texts other people. Um, I love this quote uh, by Vera and how it points to my own practice where I focus on ideas around beauty, the African hair braiding salon, and seeing her equate that practice of uh, working on people's hair to writing, I found really profound. So she said, "I, I would not write if I weren't in search of beauty, if I was doing it only to advance a cause. I care deeply about my subjects, but I want to be consumed by figures of beauty by story and character. It must be about perfection, like a basket maker, or a weaver, or a hair plaiter. You are aware of what you are trying to accomplish from the first sentence." Um, I think that also speaks to how we approached this book. We had a sense of what the source text would be, and then very quickly the uh, framework for it, the grid for it, was created. We knew we wanted it to be two colors only, um, Initially, we thought that the two colors should mix to be a third, um, but working with Preston, he was really adamant about the black and brown. We had black, uh, so the brown and yellow, we had black in the mix for a while, and then I decided, no, we, we should stick to two colors and rethink really about what two colors can do to draw people in and be dynamic on the page. And two colors that people haven't really seen as colors for text, um, I also like the idea of time and writing, and how much time it took this uh, book to be made. We thought we'd have it out in a month, and I'm glad that it took us uh, over a year. Um, and and when you look at the publication, Tinashe's uh, forward is um, the date on it is April 5, 2018, and I wrote the afterword um, on the day. Before the night before, we were sending this to print. I really struggled to summarize uh, what I felt about this uh, project in text, but decided at the end that it was important for me to have some of my own writing in there. And the date on that is April 9th, So really, a year and four days. Um, and he's uh, writing his uh, forward in Brooklyn, and the afterward is written in Richmond, Virginia. So it really, charts also um, my move from New York to. Uh, to Richmond, Virginia. And I'll read my afterward, and then Tinashe, you can uh, continue or close us out if you feel that we've had enough. Um, Voice, 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 an afterward. A chorus, a call, a response, a question, argument, persuasion, seduction, playful but full of gravity, from song to harmony, slogan and mutilation, reframing and sampling, a remix. Visibility is important, but even more critical is the lens through which one one is seen. As Chalk and co, we endeavor to create platforms that present the works of our peers and forebearers in the most dynamic way. We are aware of how present day culture and competing priorities add up to forces that undermine the imagination and deep analysis of our identities, lived experiences, and aspirations. We could not help but make this book It comes out of an impulse that drives us to think about recovery, preservation, and presentation. The project is totally self-initiated, but definitely inspired. We dedicate this effort first to Zimbabweans working, creating, and building all around the world. We hope this book can be an anchor in times when we feel our voices shrinking into a whisper or even pressures oh, sorry, I'm starting to cry, when pressures have asked or demanded um, a high value on form. This book is of the spaces we call home. We offer this publication as a gift um, and mirror that brings into focus a bold, undeniable vision that we hope will inspire powerful conversation, alternative manifestos, and more creative production. Some Writers Can Give You Two Heartbeats has stretched us as a collective, working with a sense of urgency, dedication, and agency, and sometimes irreverence as we set out to make a wild thing to seduce, provoke, and produce more questions. This book is about the event of reading, writing, publishing, and the collective conversation that grows out of of it. Like many of the objects produced through Black Chalk & Co, the goal of the publication is to send the reader off on a new path of inquiry or deep down a rabbit hole of one's own existing uh, preoccupations. We are proud to be in community with some of the bravest makers and institution builders of our time. And we've thanked a number of our wonderful friends. Thank you to Rachel Walensky, Julian Novich, Melissa Tondo Bongela, Jessica Lynn, Andrew Lister, Matt McVeigh. We've thanked uh, Leona Nyariri, Natasha Hatendi, Rocky Kiwada, Tami Nguyen, Tanyanaswatawengwa, Simbarashe, um, Mafundi Kwa, Rangwato Sasane, Hla, Malosi, Halashela, Hala, Hala. I've never had to say their surnames. <laughs> it's so interesting. Um, <laughs> our families and mentors, For their support, thoughtful critique, and enthusiastic encouragement. These pages are by no means an exhaustive record, but are encyclopedic in nature. We're excited for future editions, as well as manifestations of related works. The book can also be read as a companion to readingzimbabwe.com, which is a constellation of works about the polyvocal figure of Zimbabwe as written in print for the past six decades. We hope to expand this project through web-based manifestations, performance, objects, video, and sound?
0: Um, I'm not going to add any more. We only have like five minutes left, but if there's anyone who has a contribution or a question, we can take one or two quick questions. And uh, the book is available uh, upstairs uh, in the Aperture bookshop, Um, but yeah. I have a question. Um, I just noticed that you started the
1: book in April 2018, but you finished it in April 2019. I know as a Zimbabwean, that's a very significant month in our history. Um, did that play any sort of like? Do you see any connection with in the beginning and the end of the book that played a, a relation that played a part in your process?
0: Um, I mean, so officially. The day that is, that is signed as uh, the day the introduction was written it was my birthday. So April is the month I was born. So for me personally, it's always symbolical. Um, so I yeah, selfishly, selfishly decided to kind of memorialize my birthday in 2018 uh, in my introduction.
1: I think you're talking about April as uh, the month for Zimbabwe independence and... Actually, this year, I totally forgot about Independence Day. There's been so much happening in Zim over the past year. There's totally crazy, like, political um, situations. And that had my attention so much more than the day that we usually commemorate uh, our independence. I guess maybe it's also a marker of, like, how... Volatile and violent the space has become which kind of puts me in a space where I can't necessarily think of, of us as free individuals You know and, and we I don't know if we have been uh, Free for a while we became independent from one power, but what is power still doing to us?
0: Yeah uh, One or yeah, okay Thank you so much, that was wonderful. Can you talk a bit about getting the rights to publish all of these things and the time involved? I can't imagine th- that process. I know that's a, maybe a long question. Um, I mean, I guess my, my short answer will be that it's a, it's a very long conversation um, about rights, copyright, uh, negotiating, uh, republishing uh, material um, so yeah I mean it's um, in some yeah I don't yeah I don't want to implicate any material in the book I don't want to sort of let it into the world by by sort of complicating um, the layers of of negotiation that you have to go through um, taking ownership of um, your own story Thank you so much for the conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed the idea of reading as an event. And um, to build up on this idea, I wonder if you
1: can expand a little bit on the audience you had in mind when you were designing the book, and maybe the choice of language or the way you you would like to promote the book um, since it just came out recently. I mean, I think I'm the audience for the book you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to take up that uh, position. As a designer, you're often commissioned to make works for other people. someone else's content. Um, and even though these are not only our voices in here, um, that there's a way that we're working it and uh, editing it or like organizing it, that it becomes a way that we're projecting ourselves into the world. Um, but I also made this book in a way that I want to see it and in a, with a logic that is my own. Um, and I don't know every single quote in here. It's a book that I wanted to put together so I can spend time with it and get to know it. In the same way, also, readingzimbabwe.com comes out of that. It's a selfish project. Um, we have made so much of this work because of conversations that we've had with Raki and Natasha and other friends who are Zimbabwean living in New York, um, who you know, were sitting and asking these questions like, who is our leadership? What is their biography? who are the people that are writing about our nation. Tinashe is a literary scholar. He's read so many more books written by Zimbabwean artists than we have. We ask him for for recommendations. And so for me, working on the database with him is a way for me to have an archive that I can keep going back to. Um, And so for me, this is my encyclopedia. um, And it's a gift to my friends, family back home. And we're hoping that other people are invested in the project as well, because they can see some aspect of their own life. In there, we're not the only nation to have been colonized. We're not the only nation to have people who have lived abroad, um, you know, over generations. And what does that mean to see yourself in the lives of other people who have had to uh, migrate for, you know, as economic refugees or have chosen to go abroad for university? And what does that do to uh, how you see yourself, how you articulate yourself in the world, how your community back home? sees you, what, how, where you feel your identity lies. We feel that many people can see themselves in here. Um, and we've shared the book at different stages with colleagues who are writers, uh, who are media makers, just to get a sense of how they read it or see themselves in it. And one of my colleagues, Jessica Lynn, you know, wrote back to me a really wonderful email saying, it was so beautiful to read about other writers talking about their process um, and how she was able to identify uh, people who could, could be now, you know, kin uh, in terms of people that share similar process or similar struggles or similar triumphs or who are in um, pursuit of, uh, you know, the same kind of conversations that she is.
0: Um, I guess to close off, I will, I will say that. Part of this book is personal um, because it it developed developed out of my own personal notebooks, so books I was keeping for myself. Um, so yeah, so I, yeah, I person, I, I, of my public intellectual work, I think, I also work out of frustration, frustration with my own uh, peers um, because I yeah because they my own peers frustration with institutions that hold these archives. Um, so the, I think, yeah, it grows out of this frustration. Um, like, there's, I, I'm always desperate for sustaining conversations when I go back home and I feel like sometimes I don't have those kinds of conversations for political and economic reasons. Um, and then it also, it's always very difficult to get this material um so a lot of this book uh, comes out of my own personal like uh, my own personal journey um and so uh, yeah a part of me feels very vulnerable to sit and talk about it um and share the processes the the struggles i have to go through to be able to connect with this content um but yeah, thank you all for coming, and uh, we are happy to continue the conversations, and thank you for supporting us. and yeah, if you do end up having a copy of the book, um, I hope that we can continue the conversations, and hopefully, through your own readings, um, we can develop new and other uh, uh, manifestations to extend conversations around knowledge production. Um, so thank you very much. Thank you.